Toku Secrets is a podcast run by the Anime Secrets website. Check us out at AnimeSecrets.org for more anime, video game, tokusatsu content. Remember to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts today. Hey everybody, it's Jason from Orange Time Force, and you're watching Toku Secrets Podcast. Welcome to Toku Secrets. Join us as we journey into the marvelous world of Super Sentai, Kamen Rider, Power Rangers, and many other Tokusatsu. Get ready for the adventure of a lifetime. It's Morphin' Time! Link to the Morphin' I'm Rithwan Merkin. Go Kai Red. And we're Toku... What the heck was that? <laughs> Oh god, what the hell? Wait, Miguel, why are you here? This isn't anime classified. We ran out of coffee in the other departments, I'm just here to pick some more up. Okay, but where the heck are Nathan, Anthony, Patrick? We have a podcast to do tonight. Where, what's going on here? Wait, where the heck are you? Uh, I'm Nathan, but not the Nathan you are looking for. Wait, you're Nathan Markson from Henson Men, Power Trip, Monster Film Vault. Monster Island Film Vault, sir. Monster Island Film Vault. You're right. Monster Island Film Vault. You've got to get that branding just right. <laughs> <you know? laughs> well, uh, I guess we're not doing a Super Sentai podcast tonight, so let's do Godzilla Minus One instead. Why not? It's Tokusatsu. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing else to do. I'm game. I, I was going to say, technically, without Godzilla, we wouldn't have Super Sentai fight me, people. This I mean, you're, you're very correct. Godzilla is the reason we have this podcast. I was, yeah, I was going to say, that I, I get a little annoyed, and you know, this might be a hot take for some people, but I get a little bit annoyed with how narrow a definition some people seem to have of tokusatsu. Yeah. It's not, it's not just what to, uh, all the spandex people that Toei makes, okay? <laughs> Do you have any idea? It, it also includes Ultraman and Godzilla and Kaiju and disaster movies. It's, yeah. Here's a little bit of education for you. Tokusatsu just means special filmmaking in Japanese. If it has special effects in it, <laughs> it counts. I've been trying to convince this guy to watch this movie for like at least three podcasts we did together. I'm like, you're the Toku guy. Go watch Godzilla already. I was planning on it, but I could never make it out there with logistics of personal stuff. Likely um, excuse. But I did make it twice now. I made it to the color edition, and then I just got back an hour ago from seeing the minus color. Yes. So I have done my due homework now, Miguel. Finally. <laughs> now, I haven't seen it four times like somebody else that we're talking to, but... Well, yeah, but I, I know people who've seen it more than I have. One person, I think, is trying to single-handedly fund the sequel... I mean, I would love a sequel. This movie was fantastic. Yeah. I, either he's trying to fund the sequel or convince the director to let him work on it or something. <laughs> you know, and I've been joking. It's like, yeah, he'll bring him on, but all he's going to do is bring the director coffee every day. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. I'd be down to do that job too. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wouldn't complain too much. Exactly. But <laughs> Especially after I mean, this great film he dropped because man oh man this movie was something special it really was i said on my three hour mifv episode that and it, i admitted 
I could be still in the honeymoon phase, but I'm thinking possibly Mount Rushmore of kaiju films worthy. I I would agree. I mean, at the absolute worst, I'd say this is probably the second best Godzilla movie ever made. Next to... I would say, for me, the original will still go up there just because of... Well, yeah. But I know people can interchange that with Shin if they like. Uh, Yeah, although Shin has some very outspoken critics. (laughs) I'm not one of them, but it has some very outspoken critics. I think Shin is fine. Uh, You know, I won't argue against anyone if they put it in their top three, top five. It's not in my personal one, but I could see where they're coming from. But to me, Mm -hmm. this one is like easily like top two at worst. Yeah. Yeah. And in case anyone's wondering... My personal Mount Rushmore of kaiju films is Kong 33, mm-hmm. Godzilla 54, and Gamera 3. And then this. Very good choices. I was like, because hmm? I was going to say, well, one of them's definitely got to be uh, OG King Kong. Because mm-hmm. without the because without Kong 33, we would have none of this. It's possibly the most influential and i would even argue important film ever made because it is its impact not only on cinema but on culture and everything is just oh i agree it's on it's almost unfathomable agree to be honest the visual effects that they did in 1933 were just spectacular even nearly 100 years later so Mm -hmm. kong definitely deserves that one 54 gamma gamma (laughs) three won't argue that that those Gamera movies are wild sometimes. They are. They are. I mean, that whole trilogy is great. And I am one of those people who loves Gamera the Brave. Gamera the Brave is perilously close to, to getting on that list. Because, I mean, I love Gamera the Brave <laughs> so much. It's one of only two kaiju films I can point to that nearly make me cry. Well, I'm not afraid. Well, okay, guy, I, I will. Okay, make that three because minus one does get to me at points. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god, that kid. Oh the the little girl. Akiko. Oh, she's. Uh, Akiko. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She's tremendous. I, I did mention her name. I wish I can remember that little actress's name because she's brilliant. And I don't know how they found a two year old who I could not only I... act but take direction. Her name is Sai Nagatani. I might be pronouncing there it There you go. There you go. Fun fact, I I learned after, well, after I've done all these podcasts, that apparently Takashi Yamazaki, the writer-director on this, initially was going to have the child in this film, because I don't want to give too much away until we talk about it. Yeah. It was initially going to be a son, was going to be a boy, but after he saw her, he's like, nope, <laughs> it's a girl now. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, that kid could act. He but, made the uh, right choice, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, when a two-year-old upstages basically every Kenny and every Gamera, well, all the old Gamera movies. That, that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, this is my first real monster movie I've seen in a long time. I think the last one I consciously finished from start to finish was the American Godzilla uh, late 90s or early 2000s. I forget when it oh, came out. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Why? I'm sorry. Why would you I'm do sorry. that to now the, the cartoon sequel is infinitely superior. Yes. But 
Oh man. Yeah. That's a podcast so for another I time. Would, uh, I would still, I would still argue wor- uh, worst Godzilla movie ever, but it barely qualifies for being called Godzilla. Honestly, if it had been <laughs> called anything but Godzilla, no one would care. It would have faded into nineties obscurity. Mm-hmm and been done and to be honest it should have been called based on Twenty Thousand fathoms because that's far more in common with that movie yes yeah. sir and prior to that i've seen bits and pieces of the older movies on tv mm-hmm. i have vivid memories of seeing mecha godzilla on tv mothra which mecha godzilla there are two of them if we're talking about the the showa movies i don't know i think it was silver was there a red dinosaur with him? Yeah. Then it was Terror of Mecha Godzilla, which was my first Godzilla movie and one of the best. Okay. Yeah. So I watched that before I could really understand movie plots. Like, so I was pretty darn young at the time. That was probably mm-hmm. 30, 32 years ago at this point. <laughs> oh, for a second, I thought you were going to say you were 30 or 32 years old. I'm like, wait, what? You look good no, for I'm, a 60 year old. No, I'm uh, 36. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't gonna ask your age or anything, but I'm like, wait, you were 32 years old? That's you were a child at 30. What? No, I I watched it. Space is warped and time is bendable. <laughs> we're not in the Doctor Who universe right now. We're in the Monster Universe. Well, no, that was that was an that was a Rift Rex reference, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But... No, you're thinking wibbly wobbly timey wimey. There we go. <laughs> That's Doctor Who. Yeah. So, uh, Nathan, I think I'll give you the honor as the resident kaiju academic if you want to run us <laughs> through some of that plot that we had in this movie. <laughs> oh, geez. Okay, okay. You're making me do, you're making me do this. I so mean, you are. We so no, I got it. I got it. I got it. It's it's fresh enough. It's fresh enough. <laughs> we so we start in late 1945, right at the end of World War II. And we have Shikishima, a young kamikaze pilot who lands his plane on an airstrip on on Odo Island, which has great significance for us kaiju uh, for us Godzilla fans, I should say. And he says, "Oh, my plane's faulty. You gotta you got you gotta fix it." Well, the head mechanic goes to him and says, "By the way, your plane is fine." I know why you didn't. I, I know why you you told us that. Basically, telling him it's like I know you know the war is almost over. We're basically losing. You don't want to kill yourself. I get it. You know, your secret's safe with me, basically. Mm-hmm. And then later that night, the their camp is attacked by a giant dinosaurian lizard, who one of the guys says, "Oh, the locals call him Godzilla." And then it, it, this thing proceed, then proceeds to go full tilt Jurassic Park on everybody. And all everybody there is a mechanic. So they don't really know how to, you know, how to fight all that well. So they tell Shikishima, get in your plane and shoot it with your guns. Why? Because 20 millimeter guns will kill anything. So he sneaks over there and manages and gets his hands on the guns, freezes up. The mechanics panic and shoot it shoot at this Godzilla with their rifles. And then he goes over and he starts massacring all of them. When it's all said and done, there are only two survivors, Shikishima and the mechanic, which is the Tachibana is his name. I remember his name because it's also the name of a common writer mentor. (laughs) (laughs) Just to give my Toku cred right there. Fast forward. And then you fast forward a few months, December, 1945. 
Jigashima goes back to Tokyo, finds that it has all been decimated. The war is over by this point. His, ho- his home is gone. He meets a neighbor lady who hates his guts for not doing his job as a kamikaze pilot. And, that, and, she, and now her whole family is dead, including her four children, and blames him for losing the war. And then he starts wandering around and he meets a young woman who then just throws a baby into his arms. He's like, okay. And then he holds onto the baby. And then after everything gets settled, because she was being chased by somebody, she comes over, gets the baby back. And then they end up basically trying to, uh, trying to survive together in a house. He finds out that it's not her kid. It's a child that she was given to by a couple who were dying during the fire bombings. And she has no idea what she's doing, trying to take care of this child. He's like, okay. And, you know, then they get some help from said neighbor lady who's like, here, take my rice rations and feed the child because obviously you don't know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we get a nice little montage where things uh, over the next couple of months, actually more like the next two years where they're slowly rebuilding their lives and they, you know, they just keep living together to support one another. And they kind of become this weird found family there's some implication that the two of them like each other, but nothing's really going anywhere. And then Shikishima finally gets a new job. He gets to be a minesweeper. And no, not the one on Windows 3.1. He, <laughs> <laughs> he is, he gets this new job. She doesn't like it because he says, well, entitles, it, well, it entails, I should say, a certain amount of risk, which is why it pays as well as it does. Mm-hmm. So he meets these three wonderful characters, Doc, the captain, as they call him, and the kid. Mm-hmm. Two, uh, the two older gentlemen, other than kid, are also war veterans. And he, he's like, this is our specialty boat for finding mines. It's made of wood. Oh, that can't be great. Oh, wh- why? Oh, it's made of wood because you know, there are magnetic mines out there. And uh, they like metal boats. And it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So they, so they go out to go find mines. Well, their specialty is they find the ones that are moored in the water. So they bring those to the surface and then they have a big 13 millimeter gun on there and he shoots at it to, you know, you shoot at it to detonate the mine. Well, Cap can't shoot the broadside of a barn, but then Shikoshima goes over and he's like, bam, he gets it in couple of, you know really fast and he's like oh well i guess you're we know what you're doing while you're around here <laughs> <laughs> you know and then time a little more time passes and you know he starts befriending these guys bonding with them in the meantime <laughs> operation crossroads a nuclear test happens and all we see is that dinosaurian lizard godzilla's eye get as it gets hit by the shock wave and then we move on and <laughs> So, you know, fast forward a little bit more and there are reports about the boats being attacked. We see an American destroyer has been hit by something. We don't know what. And the at this point, Shikishima and his buddies run into Godzilla mm-hmm. and he freaks out a little bit because he starts almost like, oh, I think I know what this is. You're going to think I'm crazy, but I think I know what this is. And then they get chased by Godzilla in a very Mm Jaws-like sequence. And then after trying to figure out what are we going to do, because he's chasing him down. He, This is a Godzilla who, if he wants you dead, he will. He'll make it happen. Yeah, yeah, he'll make it happen. You'll be dead. So they start to use the mines. So they get the mines to go at him, detonate the mine. Doesn't stop him. He keeps coming. 
So then Shikishima gets the idea, see if we can get it in his mouth. So he gets it in his mouth. They try to detonate again, doesn't work. They, he shoots it with the gun. So he finally, he didn't freeze up this time. He shot at it and it explodes a good chunk of Godzilla's face off. But then in true Wolverine fashion, it all grows back. And, uh, and then he comes after him again. And then there, there was a Japanese battleship that they were, you know, they were surveying mm -hmm. for them. He comes out, uh, a boat comes out, shoots at him, makes Godzilla angry. He goes over, trashes that. But then they manage to shoot him off and he falls into the water and sinks. And it's like, aha, we got him. No, you didn't. Nope. <laughs> then this big blue laser beam comes out. It comes out of the water and blows it up good. And then after that, people are like, well, okay, what the heck is going on? We got to figure out what to do. And then, you know, and then there was all this interpersonal drama that's going on. You find out that Noriko, the girl, the, you know, Akiko is the is the the child mm -hmm. who's two years old at this point. She's decided, okay, I have to take care of myself now because you're because Shikishima's not doing anything, even though I would like him to. So she gets a job, and he's like, well, what is my money not enough for you? And all I'm trying to take care of you, but you know, but you know, she wants to. She and the the other guys tell him, it's like she wants you to marry her, dude. Yep. Get with the program. All right, get with the program, man. <laughs> As all dudes do, you know, when uh, when uh, when one of the bros gets into that situation. So, so she is going to work, and Shikishima's watching Akiko, and he hears on the radio, "Oh, Godzilla came ashore, and he's attacking Ginza, which is, in case nobody knew, is actually a district of Tokyo." And he's like, "Oh no, Noriko's there." So he goes, "All right, so there's this big attack. She's on a." train and because godzilla hates trains mm -hmm. he goes he goes after it she nearly dies she barely gets away shikishima finds uh, finds her while there's crowds running around and he's just tearing up everything and then godzilla unleashes the nuclear breath in its full glory mm -hmm. and then as we see basically a nuke go off and the shockwave is coming Noriko shoves Shikishima down an alley and she gets hit by the shockwave. Spoiler warning! And uh, for all we know, that is the end of Noriko. Stay tuned. <laughs> so after that, Shikishima's like, I have to kill this lizard because of what happened to her. So he gets involved with a civilian-run operation because both the U.S. occupation forces and the Japanese government are not going to do a dang thing. Mm -hmm. and the Americans are not doing anything because they're afraid that that's going to antagonize the Soviets because, hello, Cold War. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> a start of it anyway. <laughs> and, you know, the Japanese government, we don't know what we're doing. So all of these former military guys, you know, all these former soldiers get together. And it's like, here's our crazy idea. We're going to use Freon gas to sink Godzilla and kill him with the water compression. That doesn't work. We got a plan B. What's the plan B? Uh, we're going to put a giant inflatable tube <laughs> on him. And then like a little like a little kid in a pool, we're going to inflate the, uh, the floaties and then bring him up. And then we're going to think that the incredibly fast decompression, that will kill him. Because I've seen, what is it? You only live twice. I know what decompression can do to people. <laughs> <laughs> and... So Shikishima's like, I want to get involved with that. But he's like, but hey, I got another idea in case that doesn't work. I, I can, uh, we can fly a plane with explosives into his mouth because I know that 
he's vulnerable from the inside. I was like, okay, we got a plane. We got this very special plane called the Shin, uh, the the Shingen, the Shingen. They can do that, but it needs some repairs. And he's like, oh, I know a guy who could do that. And then he, but it was like, we need this guy. We need this guy. And it's Tachibana. Mm -hmm. And so he starts, he writes letters to Tachibana because he doesn't exactly know where he lives, telling him that everything that happened all Auto Island was his fault. And then the guy shows up to defend his honor, punches him in the face, ties him up, and is like, how dare you say that? He's like, wait, I just did that to make you, to piss you off, to get you here. I need your help. Convinces him to do it. Works on the plane. And then we, there's this one last scene where we see him giving some, you know, some last second instruction about how to use the plane. And we also find out that Shikishima has made arrangements with the neighbor lady to take care of Akiko. And he leaves a note and a bunch of money. He says, use it for her. And then we get to the big crazy finale where they enact all the plans. And none of it works. The, all the decompression stuff doesn't work. Even when we get this Lord of the Rings style last second reinforcements with mm -hmm. Kid. Because the older guys are like, you don't want to do this. Be glad you didn't fight in the war, even though you wish you were in the war. And he shows up with tugboats to help him out trying to pull Godzilla up, and then the, oh, I should also mention that Shikishima used the plane to lure Godzilla out there where they could do this operation, mm -hmm. and now he's flying the plane at Godzilla's gaping mouth, and then they're all like, oh no, he's actually going to do it. So you think, he's going to do that kamikaze run he never did before, that he failed to do, and then in one of the most agonizingly dramatic moments of any movie I've seen in a long time, the plane crashes into Godzilla's mouth, explodes, mm -hmm. and in true Mortal Kombat fashion, it just takes his whole head off. Mm -hmm. And then you see a parachute. Mm -hmm. And it turns out that the last minute instruction that Tachibana was giving him was he was telling him, I put an ejection seat in it. Live. 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 So he does that. Godzilla crumbles, sinks into the ocean. Then we go back to everybody being welcome back at, in the harbor. And then the neighbor lady with, uh, with Akiko in her arms comes over and she had gotten a telegram while this was all going over, going on, gives him the telegram, smacks him in the shoulder, just like she did when she told him, it's your fault, Mike, uh, you know, we lost the war and my family is dead. And he just looks just like, I have to go. And then you cut to the next scene and he's got uh, Akiko in his arms. He's running up the stairs, goes into a hospital room, and there's no Rico. Mm -hmm. She had survived. And then she asks him the question that has the question that has been plaguing him this entire time with all this PTSD, all this guilt and shame about not doing his duty and getting all those mechanics and everybody killed at the beginning of the movie. She says, is your war finally over? And then he breaks down. He cries and buries himself in his arms. And then we cut to a scene straight out of a Friday the 13th movie where <laughs> Godzilla is apparently regenerating despite everything. Mm -hmm. And then the movie ends. Great recap, man. That was a good recap. You're welcome. And I got to say, this story was... So when I was first talking to Miguel about seeing this movie, I didn't really know what I was going to expect or what I was going to get. I figured, mm -hmm. okay, we have some humans that are going to have to deal with Godzilla, but what I didn't expect, Nathan, was the death of story we had here 
all of the like interpersonal relationship stuff, all of the really like hitting home on post-traumatic stress, um, survivor's guilt, um, just dealing with so many things that, you know, these are important topics when you're in war and dealing with a wartime situation. But I didn't expect so many emotions out of a Godzilla movie. <laughs> and I, I, I'm just looking at this and I'm thinking, where have you people been? So, okay, so that leads into my first question. Is this the normal for a Godzilla movie? Uh, this, le- uh, this level of depth and emotional potency, not always. I can point to several that aim for something like this. A lot of times what you're getting with the with the Godzilla films is they're meant to be entertaining blockbusters. Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you know, with some smart writing in there, obviously, even the ones that are fun, especially in the show era, are touching on something interesting. Mm-hmm. And the Millennium series from the, two, uh, the early 2000s does this as well. But generally speaking, they were made as, you know, you know as nice holiday blockbusters around December. Usually it was what a lot of them were released and all of that. So not always. So it's a, this is, it's not quite an outlier, but it's also a little atypical at the same time. Yeah. It's, you know, obviously the original, the original film goes for that kind of emotional potency. Mm-hmm. I would say Terra Godzilla aims for that kind of emotional potency. One that a lot of people would put, would have pushed back on me about, until maybe about five to ten years ago, when people suddenly were like, well, maybe it's not so bad, was All Monsters Attack or Godzilla's Revenge, mm-hmm. which people you know, people were a very you know, unkind to that movie, and I understand why they were, but that one was very, was a very personal film for Shira Honda, the director who directed eight Godzilla movies, including the original, because it was touching on a lot of very common, everyday very dramatic sort of stuff you know it's people just like oh it's some dumb kid who fantasizes about going to monster island yeah but he does it to escape his very unhappy home life because he lives in a hyper industrialized area that's being polluted and his parents are both working to make ends meet so he so he's a latchkey kid Mm -hmm. so this is his way of coping with all of that yeah adding on with what nathan said it's they're they're not always to the depth and to what's the right word they don't always hit it like this one did a lot of them do try they just they're just off the mark a little bit uh even like the american in the american side with 2014 they tried to do a little bit more serious storytelling with brian cranston's character but this one was just able to wrap everything up and do something that's rarely done, which is one, make you afraid of Godzilla when he popped up. Cause the, this is, this is probably the scariest I've seen Godzilla in a long time. Like you, especially when you have quote unquote proto Godzilla Yeah, when he, at, you know, at the beginning of the movie, yeah, when he pops in, like, you know, the first scene, like a little bit terrifying, but as he's coming back and you know what he's capable, capable of, you're dreading it. It's like, I don't want to see him stomping around Tokyo. Oh, he's finally here. Like, you knew that he was going to make his his way to land eventually. You're just hoping that the characters you've gotten to know just, like, 
were away from there, which added to mm-hmm. that amazing Ginza scene. And oh my god! <laughs> so oh my god. they've done it in the past where you do care about some characters. Mm-hmm. It's just not they haven't executed it as well as this one did. Yeah. No, and I mean it really shows because there is so much emotion in here. Um, in my mind, I keep going back to a couple of scenes in the movie that I thought were extremely heart wrenching. Um, the first big one for me was when Noriko is trying to get him to come out and tell him, tell her why, what is your baggage? What did you deal with? And him trying to hide it. Like you can tell he doesn't want to tell her anything, mm-hmm. but I think over time of them living together, she finally wore him down, either breaking on the trust barriers or he hit a breaking point where he couldn't keep it in anymore. Either way, you, you could feel the emotion in his heart that he had been through hell and back quite literally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One little detail that I unfortunately omitted was Tachibana gave Shikishima this, it looked like a little book full of stuff and we don't really see what it is yeah. until later. And it turns out that it's a collection of photographs <clears throat> of a candid family photographs from all the men who died mm-hmm. on Odo Island. And it was his way of saying like, this is, this is your fault. Yeah. You carry this. You, you deprive them of fathers and sons and mm-hmm. brothers and everything else. Yeah. No. And that, and he kept it with him. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's like this visual. It's like this physical symbol of his burden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it, the, the one thing he. Can, it's like this big thing he can't get over. And so because basically his failure as a kamikaze pilot was epitomized by that moment when he failed to act. Yeah. Yeah. No. That that was definitely a lot. Like his entire arc throughout the movie when he's thinking about being a failed kamikaze pilot. I mean, that is such a struggle. And I mean, I understand from your podcast, Nathan, that I listened to from the other shows that Japanese back then considered kamikaze pilots in a different way that we would today in our society. It wasn't as stigmatized as it is in that culture. Not at the time. It, it was definitely a tactic that was done in desperation. Yeah, for sure. And they would just roll them out fast. They were, they were not untrained, but they were undertrained pilots. Most of them were not very good. And you know, they were basically just told, like, "Here are the basics. Yeah, take off, fly, you know, fly at an angle, crash. That's all we need you to do." And they, they basically. I don't want to say brainwashed, but uh, they they basically gaslit them into thinking that what you're doing is for the greater good. Mm-hmm. And it was it ended up not being a they were not successful hardly at all. I mean, they yeah. did sink a few ships, they damaged a few others, but they were gro- it was a grossly ineffective tactic. The it did cause some demoralization, but it was more just shock because the the allies were just like, what are they even? Way because it was such the idea of suicide attacks was such a foreign concept mm-hmm. to them, and it wasn't just kamikaze pilots, there were suicide soldiers who would fight the Americans on well during their island campaign. They would just jump out of from cover, no guns, yell banzai at the Americans, 
and just run at them, and the Americans would panic and shoot them. So what does that achieve by them running out and doing that? Did they have like a bomb strapped to them or something? No, that it was just you know just a way to freak them out, and I'm guessing maybe deplete some resources. I'm not sure. Yep. The kamikaze pilots make more sense. Mm -hmm. it, it sort of from yeah. a strategic standpoint but that's what makes shikoshima interesting in this because we clearly see that he's actually really good at his job he's so, a good sharpshooter he's he's, a, he's an he's a sharpshooter he's excellent he's an excellent pilot mm -hmm. so you know that i don't know if that's some creative license or whatever right there because apparently historically kamikaze pilots were not that great you know because they were under trained but you know it the fact that I have when I describe him to when I describe this character to people and I say he's a failed kamikaze pilot, it's it's almost oxymoronic when if you think about it. Mm -hmm. How do, you are a failed kamikaze pilot, so you didn't crash into a boat and kill yourself. You know? <laughs> and I mean, you know, but so the but the, the one of the themes of the movie is the sanctity of life, mm -hmm. and they bring this up in the movie. It's just like. After the war, everyone everyone hated the war. Like all these soldiers, like I hated going to war. I hated being there. And it's because they don't come out and say it, but the implication is that they didn't like why they were fighting. They were being told go and die for you know, die for the empire. And they don't. After a while, they just don't believe in the empire mm -hmm. anymore. And there, I've heard some podcasts who, who completely miss this point. Yeah. Because they talk about the scene, you know, when they're getting, they're prepping. All these guys are prepping for the big final operation. And they're happy about what they're doing. And these, the other characters are pointing out, like, they're, you know, they're happy because they know what they're doing is really going to make a difference. And there are, there are these other podcasts that are taking that as some sort of as like soft nationalism oh, dude. and you know being what? potentially problematic and things like that. And I was like, that's not what this exactly. is. If, if it's anything, it's if it's anything, it's patriotism. I have to make arguments like this all the time with Shin Godzilla as well. If it, if it's anything, it's patriotism. But they're they're bringing it up as a contrast. Just like they weren't happy in the war, they're happy with this because it means something. Yeah, I had to roll my eyes at someone who like called it like pro-fascist and i'm like what did well, you no, watch soft them? they said soft nationalism i don't want to i don't want to misquote them they said in the podcast soft uh, nationalism. it wasn't a podcast it was a it was like a random person on twitter who had like an okay following. oh okay you're talking about somebody, somebody else, else yeah now not a podcast but somebody else and i just had to roll my eyes i'm like bro do you did you not see them constantly crap on their government in the lead up before they went I out there? Say, like i was gonna say this is not this is not a pro-government movie no if you could make the argument it's actually pretty libertarian yeah i was just like did you even watch the movie were you too busy on your phone like what the heck did you watch yeah, really because i mean i like i said like i said i have had to deal with stuff like this all the time you know especially with shin godzilla but i've seen it with other things that like the people just they, they see what they want to mm -hmm. see yeah you know again you know i'm kind of jokingly calling myself the kaiju academic you know without sounding like i'm bragging too much i do ha hold a master's degree in english so i think i know what i'm talking about but guess <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I can tell you in academia, there's stuff like this that gets said all the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm like, you guys are not seeing what's there. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't 
you can't use extra textual evidence to try to prove your point. You have to go by what is in the text itself, because uh, unlike postmodern literary criticism, I do not believe in death of the author. I hear what the creators intended and then look at what is actually in the text of the work. Yep. And, you know, I take those into consideration and then I draw conclusions from that. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of these other, a lot of these modern critics, they, they go in with preconceived notions and they make those square pegs fit in those circle holes. Yeah. It's so <laughs> and they usually break the, and they usually break the pegs with the hammers trying to do it. Mm -hmm. It's so frustrating to see that happen. I've seen it in academia too. When I was in grad school, I wasn't Engli English like you, but. Oh, what'd you study? Uh, computer science. I, I have a master's in computer science. NASA boy over there. Yeah. Oh no, that's my producer on the film vault. No, I, I work. I do work for NASA. Uh, well, oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 dang. Someone, uh, uh, someone is swimming in money over here. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And you might be friend. You might have been friends with my producer. I don't. I know. mean, <laughs> I I might know Jimmy from NASA. Uh, Jimmy from NASA. We all know Jimmy from NASA. We all love Jimmy from NASA. <laughs> I actually do have a coworker named Jimmy. <laughs> uh, that's that's getting weird. That's getting a little too weird for me now, sir. And if, if his last name is Crane, I'm going. I, I nope. may have to quit the podcast. Nope. Okay. <laughs> but now you can tell him. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're Jimmy from NASA. Anyway, um, but you are talking about you saw stuff like this. Oh yeah. I mean, we see stuff like this where people would take what they want to see out of the research, out of the, you know, the text. And in my case, it's more about the academic papers, which are more technical mm -hmm. in nature than what you dealt with. But even mm -hmm. then, you would Yeah, because I was in the humanities. It's rampant in the humanities. Well, it's not really that less, in my opinion, in the STEM and the engineering, because they will, they will force a project to fit this mold to prove a theory but when you mm. really look at the theory, it doesn't do what you think it does in the, in the right. scheme. Right. And the other thing that I think a lot of Western academics and critics fail to realize is you have to look the, through this from a Japanese mm -hmm. lens. It's not the same thing. And that is a problem that I, I, I see a lot. And the, you know, there are podcasts that do this and there are randos on social media that do this. They filter all of this stuff through a very Western political lens. And like, you can't make one-to-one -one comparisons here. No. It's not the same thing. Exactly. See, I, I, you know, what the, what you would call quote unquote conservative mm -hmm. in Japan is not the same as what a conservative is in America. Mm -hmm. And see, I really appreciate that I was able to listen to your podcast between my viewings of Godzilla Minus One. So I went into the movie, no idea what's going on, watched it, fell in love with it, couldn't stop talking about it for a day or two after, listened to your podcast. And then I learned how the Japanese view certain topics, like the kamikaze pilots, uh, just more about the contextualization of the history of World War II for the Japanese. And mm -hmm. yeah, because per with, with period pieces, you got to know yeah. at least a little bit of history in order to understand it. And maybe at points be like, that's not 
what happened. And right. that honestly made my second viewing tonight that much more meaningful than it already was mm. because now I'm seeing the things that you're talking about. Like, you know, I could see why Sumiko was angry with him and blaming yes, him. Yes, mm -hmm. Because to me, the first time I watched it, I thought, okay, Sumiko's mad. She's blaming him irrationally because she lost her family and it's just her being a distraught mother. No, she's actually blaming him because they have an honorific thing about it. Honorific maybe the right word? I don't know. But they, yeah. they, have, a, they have an honorific thing where if you are a failed suicide bomber, that's a really taboo thing to be because mm -hmm. that's so mm -hmm. you are dishonoring your family, I think. It showed that you are yeah, abandoning the mission that you signed yeah. up to mm -hmm. do. Yeah, so. you're not only dishonoring your family, you're dishonoring your nation. Mm -hmm. And even though they don't bring this up, you would also, at that time, you would have been dishonoring the emperor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, I could tell you, a lot of crazy things happened in relation to Japan and the emperor. That's that's why you almost never hear the emperor get brought up in anything. I mean, like, I've watched every Godzilla movie multiple times. <laughs> the emperor is never mentioned. You hear a lot about prime ministers mm -hmm. and other politicians. You never hear the emperor brought you up. See, emperor. You see emperors of alien nations or underground nations. Yes. But never the Japanese emperor. Yes. <laughs> Looking at you, <laughs> toga master and your giant chest hair. <laughs> I want to leash Megalon. Oh. <laughs> Best part of that movie is freaking Jet Jaguar. I will fight anyone on that. Dude, did you catch the Jet Jaguar short while it was still up on YouTube? Oh, good lord, man! I I oh. I might have downloaded that thing and made meme videos out of it because I adore it. Oh, dude, those shorts were great. I have a weird appreciation for that smiley superhero robot. Hey, listen, I love Jet Jaguar, so you will get I, I, you'll get I no have, pushback have, from me on that one. I was gonna say I have con I have concocted a a way to get Jet Jaguar into the freaking MonsterVerse, and it would work. I am looking at And he, and he thankfully wouldn't be powered by plot convenience. <laughs> I mean, well, they already showed how you could power anything up in the MonsterVerse. Just copy DNA from Hollow Earth and you're set. Basically. Jet <laughs> Sagmore basically like a, a Henson hero of some type? Yeah. He's not a Henson hero technically, he's, but he was inspired by Henshin heroes. He's more like Ultraman. Because Henshin heroes were crazy pop. Yeah, he's close. Well, Ultraman's a Henshin hero. Mm. But but Jet is technically, that he technically does not transform. He inexplicably grows huge. Mm -hmm. Because again, powered by plot convenience. <laughs> yeah. So he's a Kyodai hero, but not Henshin. Yeah. Mm. Learning the difference here. But back to minus one. Well, 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 well Kyodai, to... Kyodai is giant. Henshin is transforming. Mm. So. <laughs> we'll fawn over Jet Jaguar another time. Back to minus yeah, one. Yeah. yeah, back to minus one. I do want to take a second and just appreciate this cast. Because these guys really made this movie what it is today. And it might be a little, uh, might be a little much, but I do want to just call out their names one by one just to mm -hmm. get that appreciation. So... Sikasima is played by Ryunosuke Kamiki, a mm -hmm. fantastic actor. Noriko o Oishi is played by Minami ha Hamabe. Ham Fun fact. Yes. Last year was the second movie that you guys could have seen in a theater with her in it. Oh, really? What was the other one? 
She was also in Shin Kamen Rider. I did see that. Yep. She was um trying to remember her name. The she has a similar sounding name. She's the girl in that. I think I remember her. I honestly don't remember too much of the movie now. It's been so she, long. Well, she was the she was the main girl in that. Okay. Ruriko. Ruriko. That's okay. right. It's a similar sounding name. So she was Ruriko in Shin Kamen Rider. And I don't care what some of my podcasting peers say. She's better in this movie. She is. I will. I honestly didn't. I honestly didn't care much for Ruriko and Shin Kamen Rider, but. I mean, <laughs> here's my hot take, and you may not appreciate it, but I didn't like Shin Kamen Rider all that much to begin with. I wasn't the big, a biggest fan of it either. It, and that, you know, that got me in trouble with some of my peers. I thought it was. Good. It gets me in trouble too. It was okay, but. It, it's, it's far from i think it's far from the best of the quote-unquote shin trilogy true yeah because to me the thin common writer movie i think they took a lot of extra liberty with the concept of common writer um leaning yeah. more into the gore and grotesque which i'm not a big per, uh, opponent of but i don't think it meets the mold of what you expect with common writer right it my biggest problem is that is that Anno is clearly just fanboying a little too hard yeah. and he's just throwing everything in there like hold on first off you don't give me an origin things are just happening and characters are showing up because they have to and I'm like you know what I'm glad I saw the original Common Rider because if I went into this cold I would have just been like slow down yeah take, take your <laughs> Ritalin and slow down okay so as somebody who has only seen to complete common writer to date i 100 percent agree with you because i have seen common writer ghost i regret that and i've seen common writer <laughs> decade i also severely uh, regret that <laughs> i blame i blame sin kinzer for us watching common writer decade on this podcast and i will never have a nice word for that season <laughs> guys 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 <laughs> You gotta, you gotta do the OG show because that's where it all started. Yeah, and you gotta do Black and Black RX because it's the best. Yeah, no, I do intend to watch. Well, Black, well, Black is Black RX kind of like kind of yeah. falters. I mean, but you saw how anyway. Long, we're not talking about comedy. say, <laughs> well, you saw how long it took them to finally do a Godzilla movie. So yeah. don't expect Common Rider for maybe another five years. Yeah, <laughs> and then. So going back to the listing real quick, Cedar uh, mm -hmm. Mizusima, also known as the kid, is played by Yuki Yamada. And interesting fact about him, he plays one of the best, not the best, but one of the best blue Sentai Rangers and Super Sentai, in my opinion. Oh, really? Which Sentai is he from? He is from Kazuka Sentai Gokaizer. He plays Zo. Oh yeah! I only know I only know Gokaidra because I suffered through Megaforce. Uh, I am sorry that you had to suffer through, <laughs> through it because Gokaidra uh, is probably my favorite Sentai of all time. There is a I've heard a lot. I've heard a lot of good stuff about it. There's a really good case to be made right now about Osama Sentai King Ojer, which is still airing, that might overtake Gokaidra, but Gokaidra still holds the the rank for me as number one. But right. uh, Yuki Yamada did a fantastic job here. I'm actually very impressed with this guy's ability to go from a very stoic and badass 
no-nonsense kind of guy in Gokaiser to what we got with the kid in Godzilla mm-hmm. Minus One. Mm-hmm. You know what's really wild? What's that? His character is supposed to be younger than Shikishima, but the actor is older than the guy playing Shikishima. <laughs> I was actually wondering about that a while back. <laughs> he apparently has the same problem I have. People think I'm younger than him. Yeah. Happens when I shave. I feel that. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. Let let them think, you know, think that I'm actually that age. But yeah. <laughs> Um, going on here, we got Sasaka Tachibana, the instant, the technician, played by, I apologize in advance, Munataka Ayoke. Mm-hmm. And we have Noda, who is the weapon engineer, played by Hidetaka, oh. Hidetaka oh. Yoshioka. I, probably, I love this guy. He is so amazing. I love, the, I, I love this guy. He's one of my favorite characters in the movie. Has he ever played I just, I, I love this guy. And for what I understand, that guy is an award-winning actor in Japan. Mm-hmm. And you can tell. The guy's got chops. He, oh, my god! He's so incredible. I, I could not get over his acting in this. He was so great. So once I found out who he was, I remembered uh, that he was in uh, one of Akira Kurosawa's final movies. Uh, Rhapsody. Oh, in, Dreams. Uh, Rhapsody in August, or oh, Rhapsody in yeah. August. Okay, the other one. Dreams was his actual last mm-hmm. movie. Okay. And so I'm just like, I thought this guy sounded familiar, and you know, to Riz's point, this cast was awesome. Mm-hmm. It. I love his look. I love Noda's look. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In this, where it's kind of like he's got a little bit of that kind of crazy scientist look, but not to the point where it's caricaturish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But he's he looks quirky. Like even when I just saw him in the trailer, I'm like, you look a little quirky. Yeah, I saw him. I'm like, all right, so that's gonna be like a professor or something. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. He's gonna. I like you're the science guy. I could tell you're the science guy because he's got like kind of like not quite like full tilt fro, but he's got big. Uh, f- but he's got the big. He's got a little bit of a poofy gray hair thing going there, and he just it's such a great look. I love it. You know who it reminds me of. I don't know if you guys have ever seen NBC's Heroes TV show back in the day. I did. Mm-hmm. I, it's been a, that I'm blowing dust off of those files, but oh man. <laughs> I I get Hiro Nakamaru vibes from him, like an older version of that. Maybe. Yeah. I, it's not like strong, but I get some vibes of him. I get reminded right. of him. Good fit, so. Mm. And, yeah. Uh, and on Riz's point about how he saw the uh, Gokaigo actor go from like from where he was to this role, uh, going to uh, the person who played uh, Tachibana, he was also bleh, he was also uh, Sonosuke in the live action Rurouni Kenshin films. No, that's kidding. true. And so yeah, seeing him yeah. like go from like basically like the goofball of the movie to like a more serious heavy role was also a bit of a <laughs> culture shock. I'm like, oh, you- yeah, but. But uh, but he also had some of the funniest jokes in the movie. Yes, he did. I have to say, I, I my description make and the preview and the trailers and everything do make this look like a very dark, broody movie, and it really is. But in the end, it's a celebrate. It's a it's a celebration of life. But there are some oh, yeah. really nice bits of humor in this, and one of my favorite is because he's one of the guys who's outspoken against the government, and, he, and you know he really doesn't like them, and he's like, oh. 
you know, it's like, we're going to, when they spot Godzilla attacking a boat, they're like, we're going to go take him out. It's like, I thought you didn't like government orders. He said, I don't, but somebody's got to do it basically. <laughs> and then they see Godzilla come up and just take out one of the boats. And he's like, you know what? Maybe, <laughs> Maybe not. not. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So there's definitely like there, like you said, there are definitely some like funny moments and that part got like a giant laugh out of my theater. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah, I do the same thing. See the boat go down and be like, nope. Yep. Yeah. All kinds of nope. And it, what I like about it is that it's it, the humor feels very natural as opposed to, and there, there's actually a fancy literary term for this. The bathos, look it up sometime kids. <laughs> <laughs> the bathos that you see in a lot of modern films, especially the MCU. <laughs> yeah, they had a massive problem with this. I'm like, guys, unless your name is James Gunn and this is Guardians of the Galaxy, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, there's too many. Well, that just happened. Uh, moments in a lot yeah. of modern movies, and in this one, like the humor felt natural. Like it didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like out of place. It just like fell in perfectly. Yeah. Yep. So the. Yep. Continue on this list real quick. I, um, we have like one or two more. Sumika Ota was played by Sakura Ando. Uh, mm. She was the neighbor. And then Yoji Ak Akitsu, the captain of the Sensei Maru, was Kor Koransuki Sasuke. Mm -hmm. And then little baby Akiko is played by Miss Sai nagatani and that kid needs an emmy or golden Globe an oscar that's what she needs that. an oscar yeah. give the child the best actress award i mean please i don't understand how you trained i think she's three years old right yeah she's actually yeah about two maybe three i would guess the character is supposed to be two and i'm like how how does this child Take direction and properly emote mm -hmm. and say lines. At least I'm assuming she's saying the lines and they're not just dubbing her over. No, they can't be dubbing that over. There's no way. I mean, I, I'm assuming they're not. So I'm like, this child is either peaking way too early <laughs> or she is, I'm trying to think of like, the you know like a really just great actress like this she's destined to become this because my gosh yeah i just try there's i'm just trying to think what would be the what would be a nice equivalent actress for this that uh, not the, the right ones are not coming to mind unfortunately no, but no, like <laughs> she, yeah she's got a career coming mm -hmm. dude my gosh i i could not believe how good she was in her role and I don't. I mean, she's, she, she's endearing. She breaks your heart. Mm -hmm. I just, I, I don't. I just, I don't. I just. And like I said, I don't know if I. I think I mentioned to you. I don't know if I said this. I, I don't. Did I say this before we recorded? I don't remember where I said like originally. Takashi Yamazaki, the director, had intended the writer director had intended for Noriko and Shikishima to have a son, and then when he met this little girl, I was like, nope. You're a girl now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a girl. <laughs> I mean, I, props to the guy for recognizing talent and putting her to work. I mean, that that was a good story. I mean, good lord. I mean, I don't. It, it's hard enough to find good child actors when they're like 
five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, you know, around there. Finding a two-year-old could do it. Like this, like this two-year-old little girl is making the kid from Godzilla 2014 look positively blase <laughs> by comparison. Like he was like five. I mean, and I applaud Gareth Edwards for like the kid's supposed to be five, so I want a real five-year-old. Little Akiko has got him beat. <laughs> Dude, there, there's no beating that kid. I mean, just props to her. I hope she has a very fruitful life as an actress and she chooses that career when she's old enough to understand what the heck she did. Well, and hopefully the the Japanese you know, the Japanese film industry doesn't destroy her like it tends to do other like like the American film industry tends to do to child actors. Yeah, I yeah. hope not. But I think I don't know. I I tend to think just based on culture. That she might fare better in the Japanese industry than she would in the Probably. Because I probably I might be wrong, but I don't think they have the same level of like, oh my god, here's a pageant. Oh my god, here's this. I don't know, like, dude. Thing. Idol culture is pretty crazy out there. Idol culture is nuts, but you know, hopefully she doesn't go that route. But yeah. I mean, how exciting would it be if in like, I don't know, 12, 15 years she's you know, she's you know, joining a Super Sentai team or, Dude. I don't know, doing something really nuts and becoming the, you know, becoming the first ultra woman to get her own show or something. Yeah. And <laughs> see, that's that's possible because these Sentai actors, some of them, according to Nathan Desau, uh, my other co-host on Toku Secrets, he's told me they've gone on to do much bigger things than Sentai and they're very well known now. For example... Yuki Yamada in this movie, according to Nate, he has a very fruitful career following Gokaiser. Um, a couple of people from Sinkins are in the same boat. So, I mean, the talent that comes through these, what they call quote unquote children TV shows like Sentai, Kamen Rider, they do end up making it big in the end sometimes. Mm -hmm. Gotta start somewhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So, um, what what was it like? So, because I wasn't really paying attention to Godzilla minus one advertisements until it became a big deal in the media. But what was the reception when this idea of the movie came out in the kaiju community, Nate? It was overwhelmingly positive. The it was. We knew we, there were rumblings that a new movie was coming, I think for, I think close to six, seven months, maybe even, maybe a little longer mm -hmm. in the lead up to when the first trailer was dropped in summer, mm -hmm. early summer. Mm -hmm. And that's when we got the title drop with the rumored title was Godzilla zero. Mm -hmm. So people are like, oh, it's going to be a prequel. And then I, I, I mean, it. The funny thing is, is that my, Godzilla minus one is a very Evangelion sounding title. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> and it, and the the trailer is pretty good at spelling out what the title means. They don't talk about it in the movie itself, you know. But if you watch the movie, you get what basically what the title is supposed to be talking about is that Japan is reduced to nothing after the war, and then Godzilla shows up. And makes them less than zero. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. how bad it. It's basically Godzilla shows up and kicks them while they're down. Actually, he doesn't just kick them while they're down. He stomps on them while they're down, because that's what Godzilla do. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense technically. They just don't spell it out in the movie itself. 
And I wonder sometimes if Toho did that just because they're like, we don't want the fan <laughs> title to be correct. <laughs> I mean, it could be. You know, right. Sorry, I keep uh, I keep muting myself when I thought it was. <laughs> when I thought I wasn't. You're good. Sorry, because I didn't want the, I didn't want the cough to get caught. But anyway. <laughs> So, uh, so it was overwhelmingly positive. I had a, li- a few misgivings once it was confirmed. It was a period piece set during the occupation era, which has never been done before. This is the first Godzilla period piece, like the first full on mm. period piece. There have been points where you would have segments of a Godzilla film that were period pieces, but not the entire movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, if you're going to set it during the occupation period, that is potentially a problem and then like i said in the synopsis they get around it by saying like the americans are like we're not doing anything because we don't want to antagonize the soviets yeah like okay that makes sense because although i will admit there was also a part of me that was excited by the prospect of godzilla fighting general douglas MacArthur. (laughs) it it doesn't happen but that's okay typically when toho tries to find a handful of white people to be in these movies. They speak English worse than the Japanese people somehow. <laughs> I don't know how that works, <laughs> but you know, so it was, it was overwhelmingly positive. It was very exciting in the lead up. The, we had another trailer. I did a trailer analysis episode mm-hmm. or it on my podcast as a little bonus episode that got even more hits after the movie came out of like, why are you listening to me talk about the trailer <laughs> when you can go watch the movie about 75% of what I thought was going to happen didn't happen. <laughs> uh, and I'm totally cool with being wrong. So, you know, it was just funny how that, uh, why that was going on. You know, yeah. it's like you know, anything minus one for me is basically an instant blockbuster for the podcast. <laughs> but, you know, it, like I said, it was, it was very exciting I haven't seen that level of hype and excitement in the Godzilla fandom. And well, I should say I haven't seen it happen very often. There was a lot of excitement for, for GVK for Godzilla versus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think for, but honestly for different reasons mm-hmm. and you know, which I was totally, I was totally cool with that. So I was just happy that people were mostly happy with the movie in the lead up to it. And then mostly happy with it after the fact it's the first time that i feel like the godzilla fandom was largely happy with something that they got mm-hmm. they've been <laughs> geez they have been it's been like a 50 it feels like a 50 50 split minimum on basically everything that we've been getting mm-hmm. for 20 years like final wars was kind of the first one i i will never forget getting on the internet and discovering that a lot of people hate final wars and i'm like why (laughs) why this is a valentine drenched in red bull just for you they couldn't handle don fry's mustache man what can they say yeah yeah don fry (laughs) most people can't handle don fry's mustache because 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 don fry's mustache can take out chuck norris's beard okay <laughs> oh, my friend fun. Kaiju Kim and I actually came up with Don Fry facts <laughs> that were you know styled after Chuck Norris facts and you know and put those out uh, onto uh, onto YouTube and look up Don really Fry Godzilla Final Wars when we're done with this 
podcaster okay. is, and you'll see why we're talking him up so much. Okay. Yeah, I'll. I'll have to yeah, Don Fry. Don Fry is kind of amazing. Yes. I'm just saying. Yes. He looks like Mike Hager from Final Fight. In fact, he played Mike Hager in a Final Fight fan film. Yep. Miguel, drop something in Discord for me later to look at that, please. Will do. <laughs> uh, but no, I really recall November as the premiere was coming on in Japan and just like the reactions from it. Uh, Gareth Edwards was uh, invited to it. He directed Godzilla 2014. And his thing was, this was the movie I wanted to make. Yep. He actually said he was jealous. He was jealous. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. okay i i got i gotta see what's like when he made like made a really solid godzilla film but he when he's saying i am jealous that this guy was allowed to do more than what i was allowed to do i'm like all right i think i know what we're in for and you know as more and more of the praise came out uh you know i remember going well i hope we get it stateside they said we're supposed to get it i hope we get oh, it in no, that was that was that was i don't think that was ever in question the not well it wasn't confirmed i think until i think the second trailer where they said like oh yeah it's getting released released a month later i think it was like how long which is the fastest turnaround for any godzilla it was like how long and how many theaters are actually gonna get it and you know when they finally released the list of theaters it was like this is really small i think it was like under a thousand uh no it I, it released with about 1800 which is kind of it's not limited but it's not wide release either uh, yeah. it's not it's not it's te- i think it's technically a wide release just not as wide mm-hmm. release as say like a disney movie right. cuz they would have had like well, disney movies are close to like 4000 yeah i i i heard the number somewhere about how many they were getting mm-hmm. It wasn't quite, I don't think it was quite 4,000, but it was, I think, at least like closer to 3,000 for sure. And minus one, it was the little movie that could. It came out, it played at all the major theaters in my city. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't have to drive really far to see it. We got it in the main and, theater at mine. And then the next week, yeah. when it went from like 1,800 to like 2,500. The one I work yeah. at got it. And let me tell you, that opening weekend when I was scrolling through the showtimes, it was like sold out everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Because that was the what was crazy is that it got more theaters as time mm-hmm. went on. Because originally it was going to be like you know, a modest wide release for a week. Mm-hmm. And then it kept getting extended. Mm-hmm. And then they added more theaters. Mm-hmm. And then it kept getting extended. It was like it went from basically playing for one week to six weeks, goes away for one week, and then minus color happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so <laughs> it looks like initially there's a thousand theaters, and then by December 15th, they added 2,600 total for America. And I have to say, I didn't see this movie until probably middle of January, if I had to guess. And even then, guys, like, when I was booking my ticket, I figured, okay, it's going to be, like, me and five people, like, was it me and the boy and the heron? There was not that many people there for boy and the heron. But my theater was still packed in mid-January. Yep. Mm -hmm. And this movie came out December 1 in America. Yeah, this is something, and I haven't brought this up. You're getting some exclusive thoughts here from me on this because I haven't talked about this with on any of the other podcasts that have been on to talk about this 
but I, I there's one interesting parallel that I'm drawing between this and GVK, mm-hmm. and I'm not 100% sure how to think about it, and that is I think both of these films found success due to interesting circumstances. So GVK was largely... I can back you up largely, on this one, actually. Yeah. I yeah. know where you're so going GVK, with this. Yeah, GVK was largely successful because it was the first big blockbuster post-COVID for most people. So they're like, I've been... Most people are like, I've been cooped up forever. I need a big fun movie to go see. Oh, look, Lizard Monkey Punchy Punchy. I'm going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and you know, so they so they go see that. And it, raked, it did very well because of that. I do wonder if minus one saw as much success as it as it did because some people will push back on me on this but 2023 was not a good year for hollywood and most audiences are just fed up with hollywood movies like there were very few hollywood films that turned a profit and were genuinely successful you had stuff like like Guardians of the Galaxy three broke even, for what I understand. Super Mario Brothers was a big was a big hit, genuine hit. Yeah. But for the most <laughs> part, they were Hollywood was struggling to get anywhere because people were just not happy with Hollywood anymore. Yes and no. And then, yeah. And then minus one comes out, and people are like, "Oh my gosh, this is what I've been waiting for forever," and it's you know it it, it just happens to be from Japan. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Yes, uh, that it did better than what the standard Hollywood blockbuster has been. But you got to remember, for the last 10 years, the standard blockbuster has been the superhero movie. Yeah, Those- I mean, there's a there's a multitude of factors that have led to the disenchantment with it. Uh, it's yeah. No, it, I, this is not the you know not, the, not, the podcast to unpack no, no, all no. that. It would take too long, <laughs> yeah. but uh, this year yeah, wasn't. It might it might get some might get some of us in the call canceled or something. I don't know it, because you know people get weird about this. It wasn't the year <laughs> for them, except for maybe like two or three of them. Uh but also, I think it was something refreshing for people to go watch. And what I've learned this year working at a theater is it's not so much like blockbusters. I think people are just tired of the same ones because there are other movies that did ridiculously well. Like who expected a Barbie movie to hit a billion dollars? Not just that. Yeah. But oh yeah, Barbie, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Barbenheimer. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. I had a friend who told me, "Was like, did you do the entire Barbenheimer?" like, "No, I went to the half I cared about." <laughs> like both of those. But it wasn't Barbie. And by the way, <laughs> Godzilla minus one is a good companion piece to Oppenheimer. The 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 whole Oppenheimer is a is a prequel to minus one. That was a meme before the movie even oh. came out. <laughs> oh yeah. But no, it's and then the movie comes out and P- and, it get, and the meme gets cranked up to about twelve, and then well, it gets cranked up to eleven, and it gets cranked up to twelve because then people, st- you know, then the Blu-ray came out, people got footage, and then they started editing them together. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I will say this: going to Godzilla versus Kong, uh, there was a few other blockbusters that were released, but it was still like we were still in that limited space on how many people could go to a theater. And, you know, when people look at the budget and how much Godzilla versus Kong did, you know, a little under 500 million. But I'm like, you do realize that it made under 500 million when most theaters, their capacity was only 25 percent. 
Yep. So it was the first movie that was bringing people in to the theaters. And honestly, there's a lot of people who became fans of both of these creatures since. And so this yep. one being the first new one uh, before we get uh, Godzilla Cross Kong later uh, this yep. year, like, you know, there's a fraction of them who went to go see it. And when they saw, you know, the quality of it, they're like, oh, so not just yep. Godzilla can't just be only a silly action movie, but it could have these kinds of tones, these kinds of messages as well. Yeah. Word got mm -hmm. out and yeah. just goes to show you if you make a movie that can appeal to people, they're going to come watch it regardless if theaters are struggling or not. Yeah, which is why I'm going to be very curious to see how the new Empire does. Because I, you know, because like I said, GVK came out in very interesting circumstances. Mm -hmm. And obviously those circumstances don't really apply anymore. I'm also wondering if people are going to go into GX. I mean, I don't think, I think the trailers are making it clear that GXK is not going to be the same thing no. as minus one. But I do wonder if people may still go into it expecting that or or what I'm not looking forward to, because I know the closer we get to mm -hmm. it, this is, this is going to happen because of the factional nature of fandoms anymore, mm -hmm. is people are going to start getting into camps because they're going to be all of these nudie types are going to be like, it's not minus one, so I won't see it. And oh then they're going to be and then they're going to be the the bros. Or, you know, the Monsterverse bros are going to be like, minus one is stupid and boring. I need lizard monkey punchy punchy. And just like all of you, is, please. Is that a real shot thing? Up. Yeah, unfortunately. It's a real thing. I am so sick of it. It, oh my it is, God. unfortunately. Uh, because you, know, you have someone like me who is actually willing to enjoy everything that the Godzilla franchise has to offer. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've got my personal favorites and everything, mm -hmm. but I am totally okay with the wide range of tones yeah, I, and uh, you know, and genres and everything else that the franchise has to has to offer, and you know, just how versatile a character Godzilla is. Because mm -hmm. unfortunately, the big reason for the factions is because some people prefer their Godzilla one way, and they're unwilling to accept him any other way. Yeah, it's so, it's what I tell people uh, that Godzilla is a lot like Batman in which you could go either way in terms of tone on the pendulum with both of these characters. You know, you could have your cheesy Godzilla where he does a drop kick while Jet Jaguar is holding a monster. <laughs> and you can have your super serious one, just like you can have Adam West Batman existing at the same time as something like a Christian Bale or Robert Pattinson Batman. It works. And I want to get this video in my head now. I need to go find a video clip of this. Of which one? Godzilla dropkicking someone? What, the, yeah. the flying dropkick? Oh, just look oh, up the video for that, friend. dude. Oh, my friend. My friend, you have not lived <laughs> until you have seen the dropkick. Oh, it's great. Oh, my goodness. It is so great. <laughs> it is on. It is probably the top five crazy, well, on the top five craziest things Godzilla's ever done, along with flying with his atomic mm -hmm. breath and doing a body splash that rob van dam would envy interesting there's also him falling from space creating a giant meteor and getting up like it was nothing yep because final wars is like that <laughs> so 
where would you recommend somebody who just got into Godzilla with the minus one movie? Where would you have, where would you recommend they go next to get more of its flair for the kaiju genre? See, that is a little hard of a question to answer because it would entail that I ask them other questions. So if they're coming off of minus one and they're, and they say, I want more Godzilla like this. I'll like, okay, Godzilla 54, the maybe Godzilla raids again, the immediate sequel after that, cause it's close enough. Mm -hmm and then maybe something like terror mecha godzilla but that's at the end of the first series of godzilla film so eh, i don't know about that but then like i would say like godzilla you know, return of godzilla from the mid 80s maybe godzilla versus biolante i could probably get them i would probably recommend shin godzilla as well because it's new but it's it's similar in tone to minus one similar yeah, maybe not, but it's vastly different because it's 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 incredibly weird by comparison to minus one. <laughs> minus one's positively normal compared to Shin Godzilla. And then probably and then if they want to watch something American, I would probably say Godzilla 2014. But you know, but like I said, after that, I'm gonna have to be like, okay, what kind of stuff do you like to watch? Mm -hmm. You know, what kind of movies? You know, I'd have to ask them follow-up questions. Right. Because not everybody is just going to be like, I love this. I need everything. Mm -hmm. And I'll be like, okay, start with 54. Just work your way through. <laughs> and honestly, like, you know, if you have HBO Max, they have a good chunk of the Godzilla movies on there. They have most of they have most of them at yeah. this point. There's some gaps, mm -hmm. some gaps, but they have most of them. The, they're, the accessibility for them is remarkably high mm -hmm. at this point. And, I think Tubi also uh, has a good chunk of them, too. T Tubi has a bunch of them as well. So there's a lot of availability, yeah. but you know, then I have to also ask them, I was like, do you like old movies? Do you like new movies? You know, cause like I said, Godzilla is so broad, mm -hmm. right. That unless you are somebody like me, when I first discovered this where I'm like, this is so interesting. I need to see everything. And then I just started at the beginning and worked my way through it for the most part. So from 54 you know, as best, onwards, as best if someone is will, it wants to do that. Oh no, I'm asking, did you do that? As best I could. Okay. Yeah. I saw Terror of I saw Terror of Mechagodzilla, which was from 1975. I saw half of it. And then I'm like, well, this is interesting. And then I found a what to talk about diametrically opposed. I found a, a, a VHS two pack <laughs> that had the uh, uh the American edit of Godzilla 54 called King of the Monsters mm -hmm. and Godzilla versus Megalon. R.I.P. Raymond Burr. And those were the next two I saw. <laughs> and Wow. <laughs> that's wow. From what little reading I did beforehand. That's Godzilla versus Megalon is the one with the drop kick. Yes, sir. <laughs> it's got Jet Jaguar, one of the most amazing ending songs ever. And a Jet Gaga. Jet, Jet Jaga. Jaga. <laughs> he mother Who's never really love loved him. <laughs> 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 From the band MSTPK version. Oh my goodness! Uh, the more I hear about Zetsagor, I was gonna go watch Zetsagor content. Now it looks like, dude. I, as soon as we're done recording here, I am gonna screen share some Jet Jaguar. <laughs> it's great, man. Uh, I'm down. I am gonna. I am gonna screen. I am going to screen share some you know, some Godzilla drop kicking and some Jet Jaguar action. <laughs> but yeah, piggybacking off of Nathan, I would say like. You know, I think like the definite recommends for me, uh, 54, 
2014, especially because I know a lot of people are fans of Brian Cranston. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he's probably the highlight of the movie because his acting is spectacular. Um, yeah, I would say like kind of those two just as a more or less just fo- central focus Godzilla. I mean, yeah. 2014 has a couple bugs in there, but for the most part, it's Godzilla. And then if you're wanting to see like the giant monster action. Um, yeah. Honestly, pick and choose. If you see a three-headed dragon that you think looks cool, go watch Godzilla vs. Ghidorah. If you think moths are cool. Oh, or do you, or you Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah or Ghidorah the three-headed monster? This is very Either different. or really works. I would say go with Ghidorah the three-headed monster because Godzilla vs. King Ghidorah has one of the most broken <laughs> scripts I've ever seen. If you think bugs are cool, go watch Godzilla vs. Uh, Bat. Oh wait, was it called Godzilla vs. Batra? Moth- or was it Mothra again? In the oh 90s? no, that was uh, it, in the in Japan. It was called Godzilla vs. Mothra in the United States because there was already a movie that went by that title. They called it Godzilla and Mothra: The Battle for Earth. Yeah, go with that. that sounds go fancy. with that. <laughs> I would say I would actually say go with Mothra versus Godzilla from the '60s yeah. because mm-hmm. that is one that is held in very high regard. Yeah. Yeah. So honestly, like you, like Nathan says, you can really. It's either depending on your taste or honestly, just kind of throw a dart and go watch whatever. If you like, if you like GVK, go watch the go watch their first their first fight because GVK was a rematch. <laughs> I I still maintain they uh they jobbed my boy Kong out to make Godzilla look strong, so that's why I prefer the original. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will. I love this piece of art because right. I saw this the online. I don't remember the name of the artist, unfortunately. But it was right after GVK was announced, and it was a picture of of Godzilla holding a tree <laughs> at the base of a building, and, and then there's Kong at the top of a building, kind of like cowering down. And the caption says, "It was 60 years ago, man." For me, my favorite piece of content that came out from GVK, especially during the lead up to it was them dressing Kong as Makani Kong, and he's going, you were never a king. You weren't even a god. And then Godzilla's <laughs> like, Mothra, you have to save Mothra. <laughs> Why did you say that, Dad? <laughs> so one question to kind of help frame it better. I understand we got Japanese-made movies, and we have American-made movies. And mm. I would assume that there's no continuity back and forth. But is there a self-contained continuity within the either either set of movies? Like, is there a continuity where... So, for the American ones... So, for the American ones, it's called the Monsterverse. Starts off with 2014 Godzilla, then it goes uh, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla, uh, King of the Monsters, Monsters. uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, and then the upcoming Godzilla Cross Kong, and then there's also an Apple TV show called uh, monarch uh, monarch legacy of monsters and even though i believe its inclusion is highly highly dubious they've been messing <laughs> around with the, the Skull island anime on netflix oh, which is that. the worst thing in the monsterverse and one of the worst things i've just ever seen i hate that show so much listen to my episode about it where Rantmaster happens. They, uh, Ooh, like Rantmaster Rant found its way off of Power Trip into <laughs> other things with good reason. There's a reason why they haven't been uh, showing it in the uh, MonsterVerse graphics as of late. 
Well, because one, I think its inclusion is dubious mm -hmm. and it's awful. <laughs> And, yeah. obnoxiously awful and then i think I'm for, like, I the, and i was gonna say i think for like the japanese series it's mostly divided between like the different eras they were coming out on they are but it gets a little gets a little weird with those because yeah. you have the showa era from 54 to 75 which is a loose continuity but it's a continuity mm -hmm. that is its own thing mm -hmm. and then you have the heisei series from 84 to 95 which paid more attention to continuity you know and tried to make each movie dovetail into the next it's i don't think the most of those movies have aged very well but you know that's me and you know so that one has a continuity and then you get to the millennium series and the millennium oh, but here's the other thing the heisei series is a direct sequel to 54 mm -hmm. but it ignores all the other ones and then when you get to the millennium series excluding the 98 film it starts getting a little weird because all but one of the movies in there is its own movie that makes no that has no connections to the other ones in that series but they all go back to 54. Mm -hmm. so, which is weird so 2000 the yeah the millennium series from 1999 to 2004 there's six movies so you have 2000 mega Gearus, I'm just going to use the abbreviation because the title's too long. Mm -hmm. GMK mm -hmm. against Mechagodzilla, Tokyo SOS, and Final Wars. And other than Tokyo SOS and against Mechagodzilla, none of them have any connections to each other. And then Shin and Godzilla Minus One are their own. Their own things, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was looking at this. Uh, I don't know if it's a reputable place, Nathan, but it's called Wikizilla. Wikizilla? Wikizilla, yep, that, that's actually a very legitimate. Oh, I should also mention there is the Netflix-produced anime trilogy, which is, which is also <sighs> its own thing. I don't. Much. That's a very. Those are very divisive entries, to say the <laughs> least. I'm nicer to them than most. Why was Mechagodzilla a giant ass city? because i that's an interesting idea they should have had him go like full tilt metroplex at the end there but that's what i would have liked but toho said no ho yeah. <laughs> toho was weird about how they were letting anybody handle godzilla at that point and the, just like you know, and then i guess takashi yamazaki's like screw you i'm gonna do what i want so i i do find it interesting looking at the wikizilla article that the 54 movie is the starting point for many continuities in here, which mm -hmm. on one yep. hand, it makes sense. On the other hand, that can get a little messy. I feel if they don't handle it correctly, or maybe I'm, maybe I'm overthinking that. I don't know, Riz. You... Maybe, but it's generally not all that. It's generally not all that hard. And yeah, to be honest, <laughs> a lot of times the connections are fairly minute. Mm -hmm. And you you can go with them just as their own movie, yeah. Really, you know. So they stand they stand alone pretty well. I mean, even the Showa movies, the connections, like I said, are fairly loose. Yeah, they're you know they're kind of their own thing, you know. And it, some have more connections than others. Like Godzilla versus Destroya has a lot mm -hmm. of connections to the mm -hmm. '54 film for sure. If we're talking about '54 connections, G GMK is fairly is fairly connected to 54 but not to the point where you're missing 
anything all that important in that movie. In fact, if I would say if someone's like, I really like Minus One's like, well, then watch that one. Because mm-hmm. that one's because Yamazaki took a lot of inspiration from GMK. Mm-hmm. And that, that was directed by Shusuke Kaneko, who I've had the pleasure of meeting at G-Fest, nice. who also directed the 90s Gamera trilogy. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And, oh, good Lord, I could sing the praises of that trilogy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Again, if you liked Minus One and you don't mind seeing uh, three movies about a giant flying fire-breathing turtle... <laughs> watch the game uh, watch the 90s trilogy <laughs> uh, there's a lot here there's a lot of content there's a lot of movies a lot of stuff i'm really looking forward to trying to dive into this at some point oh yeah now one thing that i meant to ask about earlier and get your take on it so you and i have both seen minus color um when it came out this past week my understanding from talking to other people is that it was supposed to emulate the idea of the 1954 movie and kind of call back to that. But is there anything yeah. anything they did in Minus Color specifically to make it fit that or just putting it in black and white? Well, it wasn't just as simple as just throwing a filter on it. Mm-hmm. No, they actually went through and painstakingly remastered it. This is not the first time they've done this. They There's a black and white version of shin godzilla called shin godzilla ortho which i have not seen i don't think it's been released outside of japan and my understanding with that is that they just threw a filter on it like you know considering how colorful that movie is at points i think there would be a lot that would get lost the advantage that minus one has is that its color palette's already pretty muted Mm -hmm. so you know when you when they remastered it into black and white you either really didn't lose anything or at points it enhanced it. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, other than those two examples, this is the, the, you know, this is the first time that we've had a full black and white Godzilla film since 1955. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Because Yeah. Because the first two Godzilla films were in black and white, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, but then there was a big gap because there wasn't another Godzilla film until 1962 and that one was a big deal because it was because that was King Kong versus Godzilla, mm-hmm. and it was the first time both of those monsters were in widescreen and color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of nutty. And Godzilla was originally a lot of people think Godzilla is green. He has only rarely been green. He's actually charcoal gray or charcoal black, and he was designed that way because those original movies were filmed in black and white mm-hmm. that makes sense so the, you know, so yes it was done as something of an homage but it's also not only to the original film but also to the era yeah i would say here i don't i haven't looked into shin godzilla ortho quite as much but i know here that was the intention mm-hmm. and it's very befitting of the era because the actors the set design the costuming it all fits very nicely with that no, I, when I watched it tonight, I was pretty impressed. So I had my reservations on seeing it because I don't typically watch a lot of black and white movies. I'll watch that in the cage a little here and there, mm-hmm. but it's just not something I really get into a lot. So I had my hesitation just of, will I like it? 
will I be as enthralled with it? And the answer to, for me is a resounding yes. It's still amazing. It's still a phenomenal movie. And I think, like he kind of mentioned, some things spring off the screen more to me in the black and white than it did in the color, ironically. Yeah, yeah. I, I've... I I didn't watch the video, but I, I saw a YouTube video that popped up in my feed where this, judging by the title and the thumbnail, the guy was saying that he doesn't think he can watch Minus One any other way but black and white now. Mm. Interesting. So some people have just been, oh, you know, just just blown away by it. I'm, I would, I will say I could go either way with it. it yeah. You know, it might depend on my mood. I'm hoping both versions are included in a Blu-ray. Same. Same. Yeah. Just so you can have the option, like, I mean, I have a, a 20 million miles to Earth Blu-ray where you can see, you know, like seamlessly switch between the two. Yeah. Like you could literally hit a button and bam, it'll go from the original black and white to color or back, which is something I would love to see that implemented for minus one. That- for sure. I'm just happy that it's not just a gimmick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because originally I was like, okay, I mean, that's a nice you know that's a nice little homage you know you know it but it's still a little bit of a gimmick but it, no it worked very well and it wasn't s- as simple as just throwing a filter on it yeah mm-hmm. yeah some work was put into it mm-hmm. oh, no, that's, to make it look really nice mm-hmm. and that's what i kind of assumed the way it, the movie played out for me today was yeah they put in some work but i couldn't tell if that was me being a fanboy of the movie and saying oh yeah they put in work because obviously they had to or if it was a, a filter so I want to get your take on that. So I'm glad to know that a lot of work went into that because mm-hmm. it was really, that movie just mm-hmm. amazing to me. I can sing it. Yeah. All and day. it was, and it was something that Yamazaki planned on doing pretty early on. From what I understand, he had intentions of making a black and white edition. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm just, amazed that I've gone this far in life without really getting into the genre more than I have. And I am really just looking forward to sitting down at some point in the near future and watching 54 and see where my journey takes me from there. <laughs> I, I, I've i got 80 plus podcast episodes for you to listen to, <laughs> oh, my friend. Oh, I including... <laughs> Your Godzilla stuff as you start taking your little journey. Yeah, <laughs> make sure you watch Kong Thirty Three too. Yeah, one of like I said, that is one of the seminal. That is one of the seminal movies of cinema. Period. Correct. You need to <laughs> see it because it paved the way for so many things. It's what, it, like, there's countless filmmakers who were were inspired by King Kong. Yeah. And without King Kong, we wouldn't have Godzilla. Correct. Which means, and without Godzilla, we wouldn't have had everything else Mm -hmm. that we've been enjoying ever since then. So really, it all goes back to King Kong. Yeah. It's amazing how one little monkey can make all the difference in the world. (laughs) For sure, except he's an ape. But, you know, whatever on that. Whatever on that. I I will say, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing, though, about the Kong movies. Because that was my first season of the podcast. (laughs) The original King Kong is so freaking close to perfect that when you watch any of the rest of them, you're just like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Some are 
farther from from that perfection than others, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking at you, King Kong lives. <laughs> you know, it's fascinating uh, that King Kong was made in America, mm-hmm. and then the next iteration, from my understanding, or one of the next iterations, came out in Japan when it was Godzilla vs. King Kong. I think that's. Yeah, that was the that was the third King Kong film. What's the other thing? So it's both monsters are in color and widescreen. It was both their third film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it looks like they had Son of Kong come out in the middle. Yeah, uh, it came out six months after the original. Mm-hmm. That's a quick turnaround. Well, it was a cash grab. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, this movie made all kinds of money. Throw a sequel together. Yep. <laughs> well, well, people are st- well, it's still popular. Put a sequel together. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So then they went 30-something years without another movie? No. Not from a lack of trying. No, so then we had uh, the 76 remake of King Kong. Oh, good lord. Well, no, no, no. There was another Japanese film. Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, there was the... King Kong Escapes, where we get Mechanicon. Yeah, I was going to say. And a bad scientist, Doctor Who, <laughs> dubbed Our... by Paul Freese. Oh, my goodness. The backstory between the uh, that of that Japanese King Kong is insane. <laughs> it's absolutely. Yeah, it is insane. I, I won't get a... into it now, but then yeah, the 76 remake, which is, I mean, it's not terrible, but it's, it's gross. And in all, in a way that only the seventies could have done. Mm-hmm. Listen, I only watched that <laughs> uh, one. Jeff Bridges, Jeff Bridges. Bridges is in it. And Oh, who's the actress in it? Cause it was her debut movie. <sighs> can't remember her name now she was a big time actress let me pull it up real quick oh as soon as you say her name i'm gonna be like yeah jessica lang jessica lang yeah that was her that was her first movie Mm -hmm. (laughs) wow and then that got a sequel (laughs) a sequel where they decided to well which has it has a linda hamilton in it which is kind of interesting but she's not the the she's not the lady that can, that Kong wants. No, they introduce a female Kong <laughs> who's in desperate need of a bra. <laughs> King Kong lives. King Kong lives, and also we have uh, we've uh, the movie also establishes that artificial hearts cure falling off a building. <laughs> Because that's all he needed. Kong was like almost dead for 10 years. And they're like, all we got to do is put an artificial heart in him. But I'm like, he fell off a freaking building. And a heart fixes that somehow. And a heart, and, a new, and an artificial heart fixes that. And then we get. Okay. And then, and then there was a baby at the <laughs> end. Because, of course, there's a baby at the end. And then we get Peter Jackson's Kong King or? Kong. Yeah. And then you get Peter Jackson's King Kong, which is actually really good. It's a, kind of popular to hate on it. I can't hate on it. It's, maybe it is a little overlong, but it's like having too much candy. I think that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That? yeah. And the ending almost makes me cry. Oh, God. Oh, five Kong is great. Uh, yeah, but I like oh, five Kong. And then you get, and then you had Skull Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, those are topics for another podcast, which. Yeah, I was going to say, why are we doing this? Which you can actually go listen to Nathan's podcast about it. Because you said the first season is all about Kong, right? 
The first season's all about Kong. Second season's all about Gamera. There you go. And in the midst of all there, I'm talking. I talk about some other movies. <laughs> if you know, I talk about some Toho classics. I I started talking. I started going chronologically through all the Godzilla films because I did that in my previous podcast life, and then decided, you know what? Screw that old show. I'll just do it again. <laughs> I I feel like completely. We kind of did that with this one. Uh, we had a podcast. Mm-hmm. I scrapped it. We're doing it right now, little by little. <laughs> yeah. So but, I think uh, we're all in agreement that this movie's fantastic and yeah. a little ironic that it's competing with Gareth Edwards, the creator for best visual effects at the upcoming Academy Awards. <laughs> I, you know, I, it, I didn't make that connection, but you're very, <laughs> you're quite right there. That's, that is really interesting. I should have gone to see the creator. I meant to, but I just didn't get to it. <laughs> Story is mid visual effects are amazing. Mm. I didn't like the movie. What I, I, it's what I kind of thought it would be, but yeah, I yeah. watched the creator at my uncle's house a couple of weeks ago, and I was not that impressed with it. Yeah, visually looks great, but when you look past that and you get to like where there's supposed to be meat, there's not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, so it's gonna be an interesting two-way race, and yeah, Riz, uh, you yeah. want to wrap this up? Uh, yeah, hey. I was about to about to do that. So. Yeah. Nathan, first, I just want to say thanks for joining us on Tokyo Secrets. I hope this is the first mm-hmm. of many times that we can kidnap you into this universe. <laughs> um, kidnap me. <laughs> but uh, Sorry, someone someone just tried to Facebook call me, so <laughs> thankfully that noise didn't get picked up. <laughs> but Nathan, before we go, um, I would like you to do your quick plugs of where can people find you outside of, you know, a couple of things we've already talked about. What are some things that you want to plug out there? <laughs> and uh, what are some upcoming uh, stuff you got going on too? Yeah. Well, uh, you guys got to remember, you got to listen to the film ball a little more often. I have a term for this. <laughs> Sunblast self-promotion. So <laughs> it's a it's a thing on the film ball. So yes, obviously I'm a podcaster. I, I talk about a lot of tok- tokusatsu and kaiju. Most prominently is the Monster Island Film Fall, the podcast about the uh, a podcast a podcast seeking entertainment and enlightenment through Tokusatsu. I almost conflated my taglines. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have too many shows. <laughs> but yeah, so if you enjoy hearing the kind of stuff that I've been going over, you get even more of it on the Film Fall. It's all about film appreciation and bridging the gap between the original. Uh, either old timey or foreign, usually both audiences and the modern and enhancing one's appreciation for it. I do research on things related to the films to help put them into proper perspective. To give an example, since we talked about 05 Kong, because Andaro in that performs in vaudeville, I researched vaudeville, <laughs> which is actually really interesting. And once you know stuff about vaudeville, it makes it actually makes Anne's story in the movie a little more interesting. And then also because I'm nuts, you, you didn't get kayfabe, Nate, tonight, because usually when I go on shows about kaiju stuff, I'm in kayfabe because I basically have a fictionalized persona mm-hmm. of myself on there. And originally it was just supposed to be a gimmick for reference jokes. It has quickly turned into a full-fledged audio drama <laughs> with multiple characters. <laughs> <laughs> Most of which came about because I have amazing listeners. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, if you want to check out some of that and, you know, try to not lose the plot while you're, <laughs> while you're listening to that, you know, 
go uh, go for it. And then I'm also the co-host of Henshin Men, which is about uh, the Henshin Hero Television for the most part. Mostly, it was focused on the original Common Rider. Uh, it's branched out and talked about a few other things here and there. I'm hoping to wrap that up pretty soon here for reasons that i'll get into shortly and obviously what riz knows me from is the power trip a journey through the power rangers franchise which i co-host with the one the only michael hamilton where we went through the entire power rangers franchise in about a year dedicating one episode to each season of the show unpacked all of it Henshin Men is typically a sprint. Power trip is a marathon. <laughs> Strap in for a three-hour minimum. Yeah. <laughs> On average. You've had some four or five hours, too. Oh, we had one that went five. Because <laughs> for, for the second season, while we were waiting for... 30th anniversary material to come out for Power Rangers. We talked about some Power Ranger comics, which were typically shorter episodes, and Super Sentai, which is where one of the, which is where the five episodes <laughs> came in because we had a lot to say about Die Ranger. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> we had a lot to say about Die Ranger. Die Ranger at the moment is still, I would say, my favorite Sentai that I've seen so far. Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty high. It's pretty high up there. You would think it would be Kaku Ranger for other reasons, but <laughs> <laughs> although I did like Kaku Ranger a lot, but uh, is it because of Ninja so, Man? Yeah. What? Because of Ninja Man or something else? Something else. There are there are. <laughs> my character on the, the audio drama which i should bring that up actually uh, i am yes. also <laughs> i am also this is again how riz knows me and thank you for by the way for your wonderful reviews of the first two seasons of power rangers the audio drama from scyther audio made by the <laughs> the impeccable carl uh, carl dutton so i i'm part of scyther's stable of actors on there of i've most notably i have played rito <laughs> on uh, on there and i i've also been in the x-men audio drama i've only appeared in one episode i was a post-credit gag as of all people deadpool <laughs> <laughs> i i was personally asked to do it never in my life would i have believed you if you said oh you get to play deadpool i'm like really and, Deadpool, and now we need a Rito and Deadpool buddy cop drama. <laughs> I I have an entire scene of them meeting in my head that at some point I may <laughs> have to write and record. And what I still need to figure out is whether or not they would end up best friends or worst enemies. I'm not sure at this <laughs> point. <laughs> Because, because my, my as you guys talked about in the in your season two, and you get even more of it in season three. My Rito is he's a snarky bonehead, but he's also kind of a sociopath. <laughs> I, I liked how Riz put it. He actually said, "You Rito better than the original Rito." I'm like, I don't know how to feel about that, but okay. 
because I have tr- I have tremendous respect for the for the original voice actor. He's mm-hmm. no longer with us. He also went on to voice Deviat, and I love Deviat. So. Mm-hmm. You know, so I try not to besmirch him. I wish I could have met the man, unfortunately. You know, I've heard the other actors on the show talk about like, oh, they went to conventions and met the original actors who played their characters. I'm like, I can't do that. I am the only Rito. <laughs> I am the only Rito. And uh, I just got cast in the Avengers spinoff from the X-Men show. Carl, it's one of Carl's friends. His name is Mitch. Can't remember his last name, unfortunately, but he's working on it. I wanted to audition as Steve Rogers because I love Steve Rogers, one of my favorite superheroes. Didn't work out, but I got the next best thing. I'm Johnny Stark, baby! Because <laughs> <laughs> the, the Fantastic Four will be guesting on an episode because the Avengers have to fight Doctor Doom. So, <laughs> you know, so I, it's, like I said, it's the other Chris Evans character. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm having tremendous fun with uh, with all of those. You can also, I'm a writer as well, published novelist, a frequent freelancer. You can find me on, you know, in a lot of different publications, most notably Kaiju United. I just got my first article published by them. And you can also check out my author website. We can find links to all of my stuff on nathanjsmarchand.com. Yes, I had to use both my middle initials because somebody already took the domain nathanmarchand.com. I'm going to find that guy. <laughs> And uh, find that guy. And we'll have links make to demand. all those uh, yeah. down in yeah. the description below. On yeah, YouTube I'll send you. I'll send you my link. I have link trees for both. Thank for you. Both of these. That's great. Yeah, because the the Film Vault has a, is on like all the social social media networks. The Film mm-hmm. Vault has a website as well. Uh, I just launched a Discord server actually for the Film Vault called the Markalite Lounge. So if anybody here would like to, you know double dip from toku secret oh, anime secrets and you know, come join us in the market light lounge we you know and you want to talk about a- any of my three main podcasts you're more than welcome. anyway <laughs> for sure well it was yeah. definitely a blast having you on today always a blast to be able to talk uh kaiju stuff because when it hits it hits and godzilla minus one hit really really good uh risk go ahead and take us out man yeah, so thanks again, Nathan, for joining us, and Miguel for getting coffee at the wrong place at the right time. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so we are Toku Secrets. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, uh, and a various assortment of other uh, podcast hosting places. And we thank you for listening to our podcast. Stay safe. We all love you, and may the power protect you. Adios. Indeed, indeed. Well, um, actually, before we sign out, guys, just really quick, against my better judgment, uh, I got a little got a little treat for you. It's not from me, though. It's from my roommate. Oh, my. He turned into a skeleton. <laughs> Who are you calling a skeleton? You? Whoa. Wait, Rito repulses on our podcast now? <laughs> I'm Rito Bandor or Rito Revolto, depending on who you talk to. It's about time Nate got out of the way and let the real talent run things around here. So, Rito, what did you think of Godzilla? Godzilla? Why are we talking about Godzilla? I mean, didn't your sister make the monster grow? Yeah, my sister makes all kinds of things grow. (laughs) She has some really weird fans, let me tell you. Oh, we are we a PG tell. podcast, Mr. Rito. Just remember that. 
Well, well, boner. <laughs> Nate didn't tell me about that. Why am I the only person whose name you get right? Shut up, Martian. All right. <laughs> I'm only here because I heard Riz say lots of nice things about the audio drama on your episode. And apparently he loves me. Oh, we do. You are a fan favorite of me and a couple of my friends on the podcast. You, well, my sir, crack us up, and you're just amazing. Well, I'm glad somebody around here appreciates my genius. Guess you can say they have a real... Nah, I can't say that. I mean, you could. No. PG. Oh, come oh, on, yeah. come on, come on. I, uh, I know you want to... Go for it. Nope, not today. Okay. Not today! Not today, he says. Where's that ramp master button? I got opinions about this. Get out of here. That's enough. That's enough. Okay, I'm sorry about that, guys, but he insisted. I mean, hey, I will always take a visit from Rito Bandora on our podcast. He is welcome anytime he wants to. That's a that's dangerous. That's dangerous, my friend. I'm glad he didn't hear that because he has a habit of crashing podcasts. Yeah. Maybe we'll invite him to Cockerins and we would review that season. Oh, good lord! Uh, He said, said, "Here's the here's the problem." He hates Junior. (laughs) They don't get along. Just, just mm. Junior is Junior hates him because he's like, I'm sick of being confused for this imposter. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again. Uh, It was great to have Rito guest appeared the last second we definitely appreciated that for sure but uh once again we are ticket secrets nathan rito miguel thanks for being here <laughs> hopefully i'll find my way back to the rest of the ticket secrets cast and we can continue doing our time ranger review series where we're gonna be oh man oh man that's that's a that's a sentai i wish we had gotten to on power trip <laughs> we so we just wrapped up the final episode of time ranger we are about to do our time force uh review next time and i love time following <laughs> that we are doing a time ranger reverse time force mass up where we discuss who did it better mm. and boy do we have some opinions on that <laughs> oh yeah actually I, i'll let you guys know since we're talking about upcoming projects i henshin men and power trip are basically over at this point each one's going to have Maybe a couple more episodes apiece, depending on how things go. However, they're going to continue in a slightly different form. Basically, they're going to combine Zord style into a new podcast that I'm hoping to launch later this year. Ooh, and then, I think this is the and I think this is the first time I've mentioned the new title that I'm working with now for it, which will be Henshin Power V3. Okay. Ooh, I like it. Mm-hmm. Will it have? So a- don't don't anybody steal that title between now and then. I will sue you, <laughs> and- or, or or sick Rito on. Yeah, Rito, Rito might have something to say about that. <laughs> um, but after we finish the Time Force uh, battle, we're going to move on to Ginga Man, and its Power Rangers counterpart, Lost Galaxy. Yep. To continue our store, uh, our journey through Sentai to figure out which director did it best. So. <laughs> You have a lot of stuff to look forward to. We also have some upcoming uh, possible interviews with some guests from the franchise. So 
definitely stay tuned as we iron out those details. But once again, thank you. We love you and may the power protect y'all.